Welcome to No Show, everybody. We were looking at an article the other day called Eight Facts About Airports You Might Not Know. It's from interestingfacts.com. So it's reliable. Jeff and I are sharing articles all the time. We're professionals. And this caught our eye because there was a bit of trivia at the very top that was great. And it's um, it's how in airport codes, you know, like LAX, LGA, JFK, it's like most of them, it's like, oh, that makes sense. But but for the ones like LAX and PHX, Phoenix, Sky Harbor, it's like, well, wait a minute, what does the X mean? And it turns out the X means nothing. <laughs> that the X is left over apparently from the days when when airports only had two letter codes. But then when everybody started getting airports, it became apparent that you can't, okay, we, we got to have more letters, got to have more letters, everybody. So the International Air Transport Association, our old friends over at the IATA, they made three letter codes and some airports just got like an X at the end. But it also got all this talk about airports got us talking about how hotels got their names. Today, we are going to talk about how certain chains of hotels and individual hotels got their names. And I'm going to try to stump Jeff, which is always difficult. Let's start in the Marriott universe. Uh, Jeff worked for Marriott for years. They have a, like a hotel called Moxie, which I had never heard of. But apparently it started as a as like a partnership with Ikea. I'm not sure if that's still going. Were you ever around for any of the Moxie stuff? Barely. I was I was there at the very uh, my end at Marriott was the beginning of Moxie, more or less. You know, there was a rumor that they didn't know what to name the brand when the concept was being developed. And the concept was, at least at that time, there's this incredibly large group of travelers, this demographic you may have heard of by now called Gen Y. Uh, sure, but at the time I'm familiar. Boxing, have you heard of that? Heard yeah, of these yeah, yeah, yeah. These yeah. people called millennials were a big deal back then. And I've heard of them too. I, I read about uh, them in uh, in uh, Time Magazine. In, in everything, yeah. And I think the concept was uh, Marriott wanted to create a brand uh, that was made for X and Y, a new younger gen traveler. Mm. Uh, and so I don't, you know, I don't, I don't actually think there's any truth to this now that I've, you know, graduated from water cooler banter in the halls of Bethesda. But uh, there was a rumor for a while that the name just came from uh, made for X and Y and it just became Moxie. Have you ever stayed in a Moxie? I have. And it is made for Y. I'm X. It's not okay. made for X. <laughs> sure. But, but the thing is, the brand does get it right. I don't know. You know generations, you know, un- unfortunately for us all, we get older, no matter what generation we were a part of. Mm, I've read uh, about that too. The brand may at some point be outgrowing uh, its target audience. Uh, in a way, kind of like W, right? Like W was great when you know, you came home full of M- MDMA and needed a place to crash and you wanted to stay in the wonderful room and it came with condoms and lube, right? Like that generation that fell in love with W 20 years ago now has children. They're in their forties and they want to spa. Wait a minute. Did, did W have every room with condoms and lube? I, I don't think it was every room. But it, was, <laughs> it was not a <laughs> All right. I was prepared to be shocked. Let's go through the workhorse Marriott brands here. I'm going to quiz you a little bit. Courtyard. Do you know how Courtyard got its name? I really don't. I think it was the shape of the building. I think they were built to be suburban hotels, and they had a courtyard. And they had you know nice suburban hotels with some trees out in front. Uh, so you get that nice treed logo. I, I think that's about all there was to it. Residence Inn? No, uh, Marriott acquired Residence Inn 
maybe late 80s, early 90s. Uh, but I think it's just a phenomenal name. It's like Extended Stay America. If you're going there and don't know what you're in for, shame on you, Traveler. Sure. Uh, Fairfield. Fairfield Inn. Uh, named after Mr. Marriott's ranch. Fairfield. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Get, going back to the W, at, do, you, do you know why the W was named W? When, when it first came out, I think when I first started noticing W Hotels, it was right around when... George W. Bush was running for president. So I was like, wow, are they naming the, the hotel after, <laughs> <laughs> after W? <laughs> uh, no. Uh, so W came into the Marriott fold through the Starwood acquisition in 2017, I think. Uh, so it was a Starwood brand, not a Marriott brand when it was developed. And uh, you know, here's your B-side story on that one. Very Sternlich, uh, who ran uh, Starwood for many, many years, developed it. Uh, I think he's still in charge of Starwood Capital. He and Mr. Marriott had a very publicly contentious relationship. And so supposedly, uh, W was designed to be everything Marriott wasn't, which was cool, hip, great design. Uh, and the W was the upside down M. What about the Ritz? Uh, first of all, never say Ritz. It's the Ritz-Carlton. Thank you. Mm. Uh, Cesar Ritz, the king of hoteliers and hotelier to kings. Uh, he uh, created and ran the Ritz Paris, uh, the only place you're allowed to use that term, Ritz. Uh, but there was also a partnership uh, with the Carlton in London. This is in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And so uh, between those two hotels, then a company was formally created, uh, maybe in the 20s, uh, with an investment group that opened the Ritz Carlton Boston, uh, the first hotel to don the full name that we now know. So it was really an investment group that pulled those two luxury hotels from at what was at the time probably the world's two greatest cities for luxury travelers. The Mandarin is kind of a similar thing, right? The Mandarin was so yeah, you're right. Mandarin was similar. Uh, the Mandarin Hotel opened in Hong Kong in the 60s, uh, and in the 70s, the Oriental Hotel in Bangkok was acquired by the owners of the Mandarin. They put the two flagship Asian cities together and made it the Mandarin Orient. Hilton, of course, is named after uh, industry pioneer Conrad Hilton, uh, which is obviously how the the Conrad brand got its name. Conrad, though, hasn't I don't think it's been around as long, right? Has it, that's only been like the last twenty years or so? Yeah, I think that's about right. I'm not sure what the first one was, but might be Battery Park. There's a huge one in Battery Park, beautiful hotel. Uh, yeah, twenty years sounds about right. Maybe a bit longer. Uh, you're right, though. Conrad, of course, is a you know, the brand name was taken from the first name of Mr. Hilton. Uh, similarly, uh, the J.W. Marriott, Mr. Marriott, Bill Marriott, that is, uh, paid homage to his father, John Willard, by naming his first attempt at luxury the J.W. All right, let's go. Uh, let's go lightning round here. Double tree. <laughs> You'll have to fact check me out there, uh, everyone in cyberspace. But I've heard that the first opened in Arizona and the developer was pointing at the site of the hotel next to those two trees. I work in hospitality and travel, Matt. You hear a lot of, you know, a lot of dubious facts, right? Uh, the Waldorf. Yeah, of course, the brand gets its chain name from the Grand Dame New York Hotel on 33rd Street, which has been around for, well, it's actually not around right now because it's under renovation, but you know, the famed Waldorf Astoria. And so the Waldorf Astoria itself got named because it was built by a man named William Waldorf Astor. It's good. Let's see here. What do we want to do next? I like this game. One story that I had no idea about 
uh, the Intercontinental was essentially started by Pan Am and that the legendary founder of Pan Am, uh, Juan Tripp, founded the, the, the brand after meeting with uh, Franklin Roosevelt. Uh, this is 1945, shortly before FDR's death. They apparently had this meeting and, and FDR really wanted to shore up business relationships with Latin America. And I think he wanted to do that for a variety of reasons, economic and security reasons for the United States, maybe being at the top of that list. Um, but I think the idea was that uh, a post-World War II world was going to involve a lot more travel, a lot more globalization, and a lot more business. The idea was to provide this luxury accommodation at the end of every Pan Am flight. Your level of customer service throughout your travel experience would be this high-end, familiar, and consistent thing. So the first Intercontinental opened in Brazil in 1949, and then it was it was just off to the races. It was this ambitious and very expensive plan. 5,000 rooms across Latin America. It was essentially going to cost about $50 million in 1948 money. So Tripp set up this, this subsidiary to Pan Am, the International Hotels Corporation. They got this loan from the government. And then the, the company just started constructing new luxury hotels across Latin America and then around the world. The chain was officially rebranded as Intercontinental in 1966. I think it's still a name that that represents that golden age of of travel. There's a Disney feel with those hotels. You know, he created this sort of fantasy of what places looked like. It definitely had a Western gaze on the rest of the world, uh, which is st- is still part of a lot of those hotels. That story uh, is so well told in a three part documentary called Across the Pacific. It for me, I love that little mini series. Uh, because it takes me to that moment in travel where we can go anywhere in the world, but we can't travel across time. And thinking about that great era of exploration in the mid 20th century, uh, across the Pacific really nails what you described with post-World War II America, uh, literally planting flags on every little outpost. Uh, The way he did it uh, with FDR uh, was through the U.S. mail. I won't try to retell the story. That's not our remit. Uh, but by getting the contract to deliver U.S. mail across the planet was how he is ultimately funded to build this company. Oh, Fantastic. really? Yeah. What other IHG brands have interesting naming? Uh, well, the biggest brand uh, in the portfolio is Holiday Inn. Uh, so Kemens Wilson was the founder. Uh, when he started his hotel chain, uh, he, he the general premise there was he wanted one that did not charge extra for children, which, by the way, Matt, if I ever start my hotel, I'm going to charge a lot more for children. <laughs> sure. Uh, right. Yeah. More uh, than pet fees. Just, add, just tack <laughs> on like a, another that's 250 bucks a, a kid. Free. That's a free 500 bucks per kid. Love it. Uh, but his wife laughed at him and uh, asked how many motels he planned. And he thought maybe 400 or so. I think at that time that had to be just absurdly ambitious. Uh, but to the name in question, he took the name Holiday Inn from the 1942 Bing Crosby film. Yes. His his uh, draftsman architect, Eddie Bluestein, kind of most accounts put it down that this is sort of a joke at the bottom of the page, like as he was sketching out what the holiday ends would actually look like. 
he sort of just referenced the 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 movie down at the bottom just as a lark and it just kind of stuck it's interesting because most people know the song white christmas from uh holiday inn you don't see holiday inn too much on tv anymore because it has not aged well at all <laughs> and it's like wow this is not that's a tough sell for T- tmc <laughs> some historical artifacts are best left in the past um how about let's see here what else do we have how about kempton uh named after the founder bill kempton and fairmont fairmont hotel in san francisco you know I, i'm not sure uh it did you're right san francisco the first fairmont opened on knob hill about a hundred and some years ago uh wild guess uh is that Fairmont had something to do with it being kind of perched above the San Francisco Harbor in the Bay. Hyatt is an interesting one. Hyatt was founded by Jay Pritzker in 1957. He purchased this uh, hotel, the Hyatt House Motel, which was adjacent to LAX. And it was named after its original owner, Hyatt Bondine. And when Hyatt built that hotel, early 50s, 1952, I think, 52 or 53, they laughed at him. It's like nobody builds hotels by the airports. When people fly in, they want to get as close to the city core as possible. So all the hotels at the time were essentially downtown LA. And of course, it changed everything. <laughs> it's like he was at full occupancy in that hotel you know, within weeks, months. Uh, and it really did set the template for airport hotels across the country, across the world. Yeah, it's quite cool, too, how the name came full circle where... The original was called the Hyatt House, right? The motel you're talking about in LA. Right? But they dropped it when they create when when the Pritzkers bought the company and created the brand and expanded it globally. They just lost the house name and called it Hyatt. Uh, and then I don't know, call it 10, 15 years ago, as they were trying to expand back into uh, more of the select service uh, and extended stay uh, verticals, uh, they brought the name back. And so you've got Hyatt Houses again, makes perfect sense. I love the way that comes full circle 70 years later or so. Let's shift over a little bit here to individual hotels. Jeff and I hopefully are going to have a little episode on uh, this very famous Hollywood Hotel, which I keep pronouncing, this is my, this is the Southern kid in me, Andaz, <laughs> but I don't think it's pronounced Andaz. It's the Andaz. Is that correct? The Andaz, man. Andaz. The Andaz. And that is in Hollywood. Jeff, take us through the Andaz. I love the brand. I don't think that's what you're asking about, though. Uh, Andaz uh, takes its name from the Hindi word, personal style. I, I really don't know a ton about the brand. It's chic. It's cool as hell. I love it. And, uh, you know, a similar brand, Aman, another of my favorite brands, takes its name from a Sanskrit word for peace. And I think Aman did something very cool with their naming. The company is Aman. The brand is Aman. Uh, and as they've evolved from their first hotel, I think it was in, uh, in Phuket, they use the name Aman in front of each destination. Uh, so meaning peace, it then is the Aman Diri or the Aman Nusa. Uh, and in the Dominican, you have Amanera. Uh, New York's, of course, isn't very interesting. It's the Amman of New York. Uh, but across the world, I love the way they've brought the name Amman into the individual name of, of every property. Amman Kila, Amman Juana. I love the brand. 
The Stanley Hotel, uh, as we've discussed before, it's uh, it's in Estes Park, Colorado, very famous hotel. It's in a beautiful location. And of course, it's horribly haunted. This hotel was built by and named after F.O. Stanley, who created the Stanley steam engine, a steam powered car. So ecologically driven uh, inventor uh, in the first part of the 20th century, opened in 1909. It's been called the Stanley ever since. That's a great. Have you ever stayed there? I forget. I've never. No. Let's see here. What else do we have? Oh, the Chateau Marmont in Los Angeles. They were going to name it the Chateau Sunset or the Chateau Hollywood, but they were a little too basic. So they rejected it in favor of Chateau Marmont. And it's named after a small street that runs on the side of the property. The architecture was based on this uh, chateau in France. The name of the lane next to it, Marmont Lane, got its uh, name from this silent era film star who is British. And he worked in Hollywood for a while then went away, but left such a good impression. They named a street after him. And then that that street name became the hotel name. Uh, The Plaza Hotel in New York. It's pretty basic. The Grand Army Plaza is at the southeast corner of Central Park. So it's named after that. It's weird now because I I think I live in Brooklyn and and. I never hear Grand Army Plaza. It's like what in Brooklyn? It, because I, I think that's the, the that's become a, a major um, meeting point when people go to Prospect Park here. You don't think of it automatically as a landmark in in, in Manhattan as much as you do in Brooklyn. Uh, this isn't a hotel, but the Strip. I had no idea that the Strip in Las Vegas, Las Vegas Boulevard. It's uh, credited to this L.A. firefighter who later became a cop. His name was Guy McAfee, and he's a Vegas legend. Uh, notorious Vegas legend. He was known as the Al Capone of LA because he ran the Vice Squad and also ran all kinds of illicit businesses. He got run out of town. So decided to set up shop in Vegas and he owned a bunch of different properties, but his furthest property out from kind of the Fremont downtown area was a place called the Paradise Club. And it was opposite the current location of the Pepper Mill restaurant. I don't know if anybody listening has ever been to the Pepper Mill. It is absolutely worth it. It is, one of my, it is one of my favorite places in Las Vegas. Amazing bar in the back and great place for breakfast. So yeah, right in that kind of center part of the, of, of the strip. And he would have to drive back and forth between this roadhouse and Fremont Street. And he did it all the time. So he nicknamed it the strip because it, he wanted to have a little bit of a reference back to LA, back to the Sunset Strip. Here's one, Jeff, you might know, the Mayflower Hotel in D.C., Oh, yeah. A special place. My very first hotel, the Mayflower, opened in uh, 1925. It was built by a guy named Alan Walker. Uh, It was originally going to be called the Hotel Walker. However, that didn't happen. Mr. Walker sold out, and the company that bought it renamed the hotel the Mayflower Hotel in honor of, I guess it was the 300th anniversary of the Mayflower landing at Plymouth Rock. And Almost very appropriately, uh, we are almost at the 100th anniversary of the Mayflower Hotel, two years away. That'll be a special day in D.C. Yeah. One here, the Palmer House, which I've stayed at in Chicago, and it was named after a guy named Potter Palmer. Uh, He was a dry goods impresario, but he was also part of this this famous trio that, that included Marshall Fields. So uh, he built this hotel, but then was in all these other business interests. And the the, the group that he got together with was uh, the group that eventually built the Marshall Fields department store. 
as well. One more here, back to the chains. Do you know how Motel 6 got their name? I think it had to do with the price point. Uh, I think it was a. I think it was really about the sign uh, where it just said motel, uh, and then I think there were different versions of like there was the four because that was four bucks to stay there, and there was like motel five, five bucks. Uh, I think six or something. Motel six had uh, it either got some notoriety or it just stuck uh, on the sign. Something that something to do with that. I mean, there was a price point attached to the name. What became the name? That's right. And while I do, it, you know, it was low enough to kind of attract guests, but it could still kind of cover just the basic cost. I think one of the interesting things about the name is that it worked absolutely in the moment. It's like, oh, wow, Motel 6. I know I'm going to pay six bucks for a room. It's not necessarily built for longevity or economics. Or dynamic pricing. Yeah. It's like they really kind of hem themselves in there. I'm sure they were maybe thinking about that at the time, but it's like, oh, yeah, okay. If this is going to be our brand identity, what's this going to look like in 10 years? But <laughs> it's obviously not a problem. I think when people kind of growing up, you know, Motel 6 will leave the light on for you. People just don't even, as with the case with a lot of these names, people just sort of disassociate yeah. the name from the actual origin of it. You know, we should do an episode on uh, the, the best brand taglines. We'll leave the light on for you. It's so memorable. Yeah, uh, for sure. Yeah, that should be a, a sequel. Yeah. Um, at the end of every episode, I have a mystery question for Jeff. Jeff, if you were to start your own hotel chain, what would you call it? <laughs> no focus groups. You just got to go no, gut. Well, yeah, no, no focus groups. I'll tell you what. Uh, my wife already has the answer, so I better just give that rather than shoot from the hip. She wants to name it Rowink, uh, and it's a combination of uh, the two dear pups that we've had together in our lives. But it's got that, you know, ends with the I-N-C. It would be incorporated, right? So. Roe being for our first pup, Roki, and Inca is our current pup today. Roe Inc. I'll go with that. That's, that is beautiful. Thank you very much. I'll talk to you in a week. I'll see you soon.